Yes, ma'am, I read you loud and clear. Yes, ma'am, this is... Yes, ma'am, this is... This is the present. Thank you for that introduction, Presidents, and welcome to This is the President. This is episode 11, The Original October Surprise. My name is Scott Clonico, and yes, I've finally gotten around to putting up another show. Uh, I, I was a little bit lazy. The story of these phone calls actually ran in Vanity Fair back on October 12th, and I'm just kind of cut the audio out and turned it into a podcast. You know, it's, you know, I got stuff to do. But I think I'll throw in enough new bits of information and some tidbits in here to uh, keep you entertained. And by all means, if you haven't seen the film yet, go over to Vanity Fair and take a look at that. Yeah, pretty happy with the way that one came, came out. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's play a little clip. This is a Johnson ad from 1964. On October 24th, 1963, Barry Goldwater said of the nuclear bomb, merely another weapon. Merely another weapon. Vote for President Johnson. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. So part of the Johnson campaign strategy was to paint Barry Goldwater as a bit of a nut. One of Goldwater's most famous campaign slogans was, quote, in your heart, you know he's right, unquote. The Johnson people turned the quote around saying, in your heart, you know he might, meaning he might press the button to launch a nuclear attack. This was after Goldwater had casually mentioned using tactical nuclear weapons in Vietnam to settle the situation there. That was the whole aim of the Johnson team was to paint Goldwater as a bit of a nut and a little bit of a, a loose cannon. The election took place on Tuesday, November 3rd, 1964, and although Johnson was the incumbent, he kind of faced a lot of outside challenges. There's there's a lot of stuff going on with civil rights coming through, um, and then also Johnson was facing a fight from George Wallace, the segregationist governor of Alabama, who was running in a bunch of primaries and was doing surprisingly well. And this is something this is something I just learned. I I thought I'd share it with you. As listeners of this podcast, I'm pretty sure that all of you know that the previous president, President Kennedy, was assassinated in nineteen sixty three. That's when Johnson was vice president after Kennedy's assassination. Through the succession of power in the Constitution, Johnson became president. What was interesting, and I just found out, I didn't know about this, was that Johnson, after he became president, he had no vice president. There was nothing in the Constitution that would tell people what to do or any kind of instructions for this. So there was this president for about 10 months, 10, 11 months there, after Kennedy's assassination. And if you'll excuse me, just one second, I want to verify this fact with the This is the President PDP computer. I'll be right back. I've now verified this, that this was, in fact, the vice presidential secession was actually fixed by the 25th Amendment in 1967. Now that we've had enough of a historical detour right there, let's go ahead and get right into the phone calls. Uh, this first phone call takes place on October 10th, 1964 at 7.32 p.m., a mere 23 days before the election. Uh, in this phone call, Walter Jenkins, special assistant to the president, gets some instructions from President Johnson. 
I just kind of, I dropped this phone call in here because it kind of obviously it introduces the character of Walter Jenkins, but I also wanted to kind of set up the relationship between the two. Jenkins had served with LBJ for over 20 years, working with him since his earliest days in the Congress, so these two had known each other well. In addition, Jenkins was another Texas guy who came from somewhere in East Texas, I believe, and then kind of grew up around Austin. So these guys knew each other pretty well, and this is just gives you an idea of kind of their relationship from this phone conversation. Do you all understand that what I want is saturate any way we can with spots with women, with scientists, with former heads of the American Bar, why there for Johnson, and never for Lyndon B. Johnson, always for our great President Johnson. You get the difference? Yes, sir, I sure do, and agree. Goodbye. Right. Yes, sir, bye. Okay, that's Walter Jenkins and President Johnson on October 10th, 1964. Uh, that's I cheated a little bit on that phone call. Now, here's the extra bonus parts I told you that wasn't going to be in the Vanity Fair video. This is actually, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a conference call between Johnson and Jenkins and actually also Bill Morris are on here. Bill Morris is on here along with some other gentlemen. And it's all, it's Johnson just kind of giving orders, campaign orders to all these guys. And actually, it's a really good glimpse into his personality because if you think, you know, he was just this guy, this, this Texas guy didn't know what he was doing. This phone call makes it really, really clear this guy knew exactly what was going on. The whole phone call is about 10 minutes long. Not Obviously not going to play the whole thing. But during the call, he's giving them them orders for instructions for how to do commercials, for how to do you know, all sorts of ads, what kind of polling they should be doing. He's basically writing the commercials for them. It's pretty impressive, actually. So I will play just this one other little part of the phone call, and this is... Um, Johnson and I think it's Bill and yeah, it's Bill Morris that he's talking to most directly here and Johnson's giving them instructions on how to write and get their print ads uh, out in the newspapers. So let's take a listen to that. Well, get get an ad up. I think TV reaches more than the papers, but if you all think the papers are right. Well, we use TV too, but uh, you, all right. you, you, got, you got enough money to do both of them, I don't think, but That's if you can, just go on and do it. I get uh, somebody to give me five little things from Bundy that could be run the full page ad. Trouble and you get an ad, some son of a bitch just puts a scoop full of dictionary in it. And I can't read her ads. I haven't seen an ad of ours that I'd read. David Dubensky just had a scoop full and I saw the d down to bottom and I never read any of the rest of it. Ain't nobody gonna read it. You gotta have some white stuff in there, Bill. Right. We always say right, but we don't know anything about it. Okay, so hopefully that phone call gives you a little bit of insight into LBJ's personality, especially around this election time of year. We'll go ahead and move into the next phone call. So now this phone call takes place on October 14th, 1964 at 3.57 p.m., about 19 days before the election, phone calls between Abe Fortas, who was a lawyer, and Clark Clifford, who was also a lawyer, they were just kind of, they didn't really have specific titles, they were just White House advisors. Uh, Fortas went on to become a Supreme Supreme Court Justice, and Clark Clifford became, uh, went on to become Secretary of Defense later on. And the audio quality is not that great on this. I've tried bu bumping up the sound, but what's going on is that the White House has run into a little bit of trouble. Abe Fortas is calling President Johnson, who is on the campaign trail in New York City. This is Abe calling Johnson at his hotel room in New York to explain to him uh, some of the news that's just broken there in the White House. 
So let's take a listen. I'll break in if we need to to kind of explain things as we go. President, this is Abe and Clark is sitting here with me. Walter came over to see me this morning. He got himself involved in a quite serious situation. Is it all right to talk on this phone? Yes, I think so. About a week ago, uh, Walter went to a party and uh, after the party he was uh, picked up by the police. And, uh, this morning, we heard that Senator Starr had the story that it was a moral charge. As I said there, the audio quality isn't that great, but hopefully you can make some of it out. What Mr. Fortas here is saying is that Walter came to them to tell them that he'd been arrested in the basement of the YMCA while performing oral sex on another man, which was kind of true. The longer version of the story is that someone from the Washington Star newspaper found out that Jenkins had been arrested, and the reporter from the Star then called Liz Carpenter, who was a press secretary for the First Lady and another Texas person, for a response. Carpenter then went to Jenkins to find out what was going on, and Jenkins decided that was time to get the lawyers involved. Could this be true? The president afraid so. I just can't believe it. I couldn't either, Mr. President. It's well, who is involved? Just some of them. Just happened at the way in the year. Had to be of this before? Any history of it? He told me no, but uh, uh, they started had a record of uh, an arrest in 1959. So now the additional arrest that comes out at the end is a little twist that makes the story really interesting to me. Because a lot of people in power right then thought that this might be some kind of a frame-up, as we'll see in our next phone call. But it turns out that Mr. Jenkins had been arrested five years earlier for the same reason in the exact same place, the basement of the YMCA. So it would have been hard to kind of plan a setup like that. It would have been very, uh, that's a pretty far-reaching setup if you want to go that far. And that's where I'm going to leave this. Yes, ma'am, I read you loud and clear. Yes, a cliffhanger, yes, if you will, in time for the election season. Kind of yes, a spooky Halloween story that we don't know where it's going to go. Unless you've seen the video, of course, over on Vandy Fair, and then you do know how this ends. I promise to have the second part up before the end of October, and then we'll also try to get a special election version up before election day, or maybe even on election day with a special guest comedian. Those seem to go over pretty well. If you're into the podcast, I'll also be appearing on the podcast The Projection Booth, done by my friend Mike White, not the actor, the film writer, uh, on their election day special where we talk about the movie Existo, which was one of Jim Varney's last movies. Yes, that was Jim Varney, Ernest, and kind of a culty art film. So you should check that out. Check out that episode of The Projection Booth where you can find it all your fine iTunes and iPod and Pod Place establishments. And that should go, go up this week or the week, first week in November. Thanks for listening again. Please tell your friends. I mean, I, I'm encouraged to do this because I'm seeing that I'm actually getting more people listening to this than I would have thought a podcast about presidential phone calls. So 
keep listening, let people know about it, spread the word, and I'll start getting these up here a little more regularly. It's just kind of a, it is a little pain in the ass to do this research and then cut these phone calls together, but damn it, it's, I'm, I'm here for you. So you can find all the new, the new episodes up on iTunes. Um, I'll probably to get them up on Google Play at some point. I'm in the UK, which is kind of the problem right now. But anyway, I'll go ahead and get them up. You can find all the episodes at www.scottclonico.com. My Twitter is at scottclonico.com. Please, also, if you listen, can you rate the podcast? That'd be all right, because then I could kind of build up my following there. You know, you got to have the following there on the Twitters and the iTunes and the whatnot to keep things going. But anyway, thanks again for listening. This has been This is the President, Episode 11, October Surprise, Part 1. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.